It's not just a hobby. It's even more than a passion. It's looking around and realizing you are a Miss God's creation. It's answering the call to pursue in your soul. It's hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. This is the place where we converse about it and hope to inspire, educate, and ignite. This is Chase Outdoors, the podcast. Ready for this? I am ready. All right. Hey guys, Justin with Chase Outdoors. Another, see, and you could screw up and get to start over. It's yeah. beautiful about editing. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, thank you as always for joining us again. I'm Justin Geike and this is Chase Outdoors, the podcast. This week's episode is brought to you, sponsored exclusively by my grandmother's applesauce. Uh, limitless supply. That's the most I've gotten free since I've started this podcast. But uh, anyway, um, special uh, week. We have a special guest. That's what his mom's always said about him. <laughs> He's a special one. A special boy. Um, <laughs> I'm with the uh, BASS Open Pro Bass Fisherman, Cody Hayner. Uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. You know, the nice thing is that you came over not just to do this podcast, but to put me to work. Yes. Uh, Cody's getting uh, rip-roaring into the archery season like so many of us are right now, and uh, we're just doing a little bit of tweaks to his uh, sweet Hoyt bow. Now everyone in the family is, is, is rocking yes. the Hoyt. Uh, that's pretty uh, That's pretty cool. The one year I leave, and I bought a Bowtech this year, which we've <laughs> talked about before, but um, there's uh, a lot of exciting things going on. Like we talked about last week when we were discussing Hunter Health, uh, that's just not stopped. We are continuing uh, with the whole crew, which just seems to be growing. We put this um, Facebook group out called uh, Hill Hikers, for, and it's just guys are getting added to it. Now we're up to like eight different guys that are communicating, awesome. and like we were talking about uh, last week with Hunter Health, you know, getting rolling with a group is so beneficial from the standpoint of just getting that enthusiasm or encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I need to get out of bed and I'm relying on myself to go and hike the hill, I might not do it. I might sleep in, but if I got Nick pounding me on the phone, Hey, it's time to go. Let's yep. rock. I get myself out of bed. I go do it. Um, we've been cranking about, uh, four miles a day with 25 pounds, roughly 1300, uh, feet of elevation climb. It's been, Really, really awesome, and there's so much. I mean, hunting related right now that guys are talking about, but uh, that doesn't mean that fishing's not still going on. It is August. It is still summer. There's a lot of summer left, a lot of heat left, which uh, I noticed today. I got a little bit of farmer tan going today. Spent it's most of the nice. day. It's beautiful. My wife is just. She's impressed. I'll she's, she's waiting for you to leave. Seven nine um, ten. <laughs> <laughs> but spent the day on the tractor getting those last food plots put in, putting some trail cutting in. I've got my bear bait out finally today, way behind the eight ball there. Um, but uh, we're just about done. And even though things have been kind of rat race, I feel like we're in pretty good position. I've been getting those photos coming in from my cutting link system on a regular basis, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, again, looking at pictures of does and fawns primarily. But there's a couple of nice bucks in the area, and we've only got... What is the date today? It's 11th. like the 11th? Yeah. Yeah, we're like a month. A month till bow season. But we're going to take a break from that. I know you're excited about that, too. Extreme. We're going to talk about that. Um, Cody's got some big stuff coming on. But it's we've got a pro bass fisherman in the house today, so we need to talk about bass fishing. <laughs> uh, for a little backstory, Cody is here from Wausau, Wisconsin. He's been a friend of mine for eons now. It's like a long time before I could drive. I before think. you could drive, yeah. And uh, it, it's uh, it's just so cool to as somebody who's guided for so long and done tournaments and things like that to watch, you know, to watch a young guy because I've now graduated out of the young guy <laughs> class finally now uh, to see you know somebody 
you know, rolling in the 16 foot aluminum boat mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, you know, make it, um, you've had a, you've had an awesome, uh, career the last couple of years and, yep. uh, some challenges. So why don't you, you know, before we get rolling in it too much, like give us a little bit of the backstory, like how'd you get rolling in this? Oh, I mean, we could spend hours on myself on this, but really, you know, I started out as like a lot of people fishing from a bank, having your parents drop you off at a boat landing for hours mm -hmm. on end. And I was always that kid who had the itch mm -hmm. to do it, like a lot of us. Yep. And that passion, that itch, just kind of drove me to keep fishing. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I saw Joe Booker on TV. I thought that was a professional fisherman. Yeah. I didn't know. And well, it's he, funny. he is. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's funny. Actually, I'm wearing a Bassmaster College Series shirt right now. But that's this is exactly what got me into tournament bass fishing is hearing about college like college fishing and these kids making it going to the Bassmaster Elites and fishing the Bassmaster Classic and things like that. And that really drove me from, you know, one track mind of, well, I want to be on TV and be this fishing star mm -hmm. to, wait, there's a bigger picture out there in tournament bass fishing and bass mm -hmm. fishing in general. And that's really hard to get into when you live in Wisconsin. Yes. We spend so much of our time, you know, focused on muskies and we're focused on yep. walleyes and we've got ice fishing yeah. to deal with like seven <laughs> months out of the year uh but uh you know it's it's bass isn't historically been on the front you know forefront no. you know me even just you know a few years before you when i kind of got rolling into this like i love fishing local bass tournaments but just even the concept of of going and doing what we watched on you know the nashville network yeah you know, tnn you know <laughs> the bass masters yep you know in, in seeing ray scott and those guys like that just seemed so far away yeah. for me in those names, in that that goal, that picture. I mean, I've always been a dreamer. Anybody that knows me knows I might not hit all the time, but I swing at the plate a lot. Yep. And uh, I, that never crossed my mind really as as a goal. I think part of that was obviously where we lived, but you know, even though with the age difference between us, like the college bass fishing wasn't there for us, especially here no. in Wisconsin, and you were able to do that in the right. state so your schooling background or yeah i went to and it's funny you say that because i hear that from people in their 30s all the time who are bass fishermen they're like oh my gosh i wish i had that or just fishermen in general mm -hmm. um but i went to university of stevens point and that is that was such an awesome time we had this huge club because stevens point is a mainly a natural resource college so a lot of guys into the outdoors i think we had at one time 70 members and wow. we would just get together on thursday nights talk fishing, and I think about 30 of us had boats mm -hmm. and a lot of competitive bass anglers, and we would form alumni tournaments and compete against each other, and we'd get better every, you know, every weekend mm -hmm. uh, fishing those tournaments. And then once the college schedule actually came out, we traveled around like, uh, like the circus and went down south from place to place to place and, you know, got to learn a lot of these big reservoirs down south and learn, you know, that fishing up here is a lot better than you know what you may have imagined compared to a lot of places in the united states you know that's it's much different it, it is it's crazy to even think about that where we look at these bodies of water that are so coveted for bass right. fishing and then you see the weights and guys are super jacked to get five bass for 15 pounds yeah. <laughs> and you know in, in win classics with right like 15 pounds in two days wasn't right. like an 11 and a half pound classic yeah you, you know and to see that in, in living here in Wisconsin, you're like, I can do that every day. 
Oh, oh, I get that. I get that from friends who are musky fishermen who are not bass fishermen. They're like, oh, it's just a bass, <laughs> and I want to. I hold my, I you know, catch my tongue all the time. But it, we are super spoiled up here. And like, I and I'm learning that having now that I'm obviously paying even more attention because mm-hmm. I got a vested interest in how you're doing and other guys like Matt Steffen right. now and you know and even Jay, you know, yeah. as he's oh, just get starting. Um, you know, that's uh it's amazing at how spoiled we are in Wisconsin as a bass fishery. Mm-hmm. You know, it, in Sturgeon Bay is thought of as, or is labeled by us, I think it was Bassmaster that labeled yep. it the greatest bass fishery in the country, yep. which is in the Door Peninsula. Uh, and for those out-of-staters, it's the thumb. Mm-hmm. Right here. No, how are you on the other side? There it is. Yep, salmon are on this side. So it's this here. Yeah, there you go. This camera thing. There you go. But uh, Sturgeon Bay is incredible. I mean, you see guys... You know, the, the Rasmussen's and the Alexander's that are going out there and catching, you know, five for 30 pounds. Right. It, you know, it, what other, mouth. yeah, with smallmouth. And what other fishery, I don't care if it's Okeechobee or Fork or, or Chick, like, where else do you see 30-pound bags on yeah. a regular basis? And that's with smallmouth. Right. It's crazy. But, you know, it's so easy to think of the north as smallmouth territory, but, like, touch on Wisconsin as a largemouth fishery. Oh, right. We have, I mean, we have so many opportunities, like, uh grass like grass is such a big thing up here and our largemouth fishing is phenomenal mm-hmm. places like big green where they're you know there every year there's an eight pounder brought out of there yep. but 20 pounds is the norm and it might be a half bag of smallmouth but the other half is largemouth yeah and you know i've learned so much from about grass fishing and taking it to places like gunnersville and places with hydrilla and it's taught me so much about you know, grass fishing. I take it. I can take my grass fishing experience up here, bring it down there. But the largemouth fishing is phenomenal. I mean, you can go out. You can throw a dart at the map in northern Wisconsin and, and go catch a hundred fish a day. Yeah, there's a, like there's a, a bunch. Not not that big of an issue. Yeah, that's so crazy because like here in Wisconsin, we only think of largemouth as grass fish. Right. You know, right. milfoil or frogs and lily pads Bluegills. or it, yeah, you like, know, dock fishing mm-hmm. where there's weeds and stuff, a stump as long as there's weeds there and from watching you it looks like so much of what you're fishing doesn't involve any vegetation no. at all. No. In into a Wisconsin guy, like it doesn't even compute for me. So what is that adjustment since you've now gone into the <laughs> That was that was such a big adjustment, especially the first couple times I went down south. Um, seeing fish that related to, you know, largemouth that chased open water bait fish, largemouth that ate gizzard shad that are, that are, you know, 14 inches long, largemouth that eat musky baits. Yeah. Like that, I mean, the stuff they do down South related to like the TVA and, you know, the Ozarks, Table Rock, it's so much different. I had to take what I know about the North Mm -hmm. and just throw it out and restart. Yeah. Recompute my brain for largemouth fishing down there. So you did have quite a bit of college success. At mm-hmm. what point did you kind of flip the switch where you were like, you know what, I think I can really do this? <sighs> you know, I think it was probably, um, well, we started doing really well in our alumni stuff, uh, really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then that confidence just kind of rolled over to our, our bigger tournaments. And there was just... We were starting to make decisions on the water that I that I felt 
other guys were not making those decisions. Mm -hmm. And when I felt like I had that much confidence in myself, Mm -hmm. I could probably take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. That may have been blind confidence, but it was confidence, and Mm -hmm. I was going to roll with it and see where it took me. And your biggest accolade in Bass was you won... Was uh, it uh, Central? Was it, it was SLW or it was, was it uh, Bassmaster? It was Bassmaster yep, on Lake of the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. We went uh, the weekend before. We fished Table Rock and we took second on to my buddy Ethan Schneider. And the next event, there were I, I'm gonna botch this, probably 150 boats or something like that mm-hmm. on Lake of the Ozarks, and we were the only team to catch a limit and won it by seven or eight pounds. And it was. It, it was one of those, it was a, a turning point for, for me, like making that decision in practice to mm-hmm. go do something no one else is trying and for it to work out. And the way we were fishing was a pattern and sticking to your pattern mm-hmm. and not freaking out at two o'clock when you had nothing in the well. Right. Like those are, I don't know, I felt very confident in myself at that point. You know, it's so often, you know, we, we see this like say football, for example. Right. You know, you get the small town guy who's the hero who breaks the high school, yep. you know, rushing record, and then he goes on to a D1 school, and he probably, you know, is a bit overwhelmed at first. Maybe he's mm-hmm. still successful. Maybe he makes it to the pro and realizes that, you know, to get to that highest level, yep. you know, we'll say, uh, you know, we'll say, um, you know, a KVD level right. or a Rick Klon, right. you know level like i would imagine that there's so many steps in the way where you have that confidence and you get severely humbled oh or even humiliated like oh i i have been served plenty (laughs) of it yeah plenty of it where i mean i've learned flat out it doesn't matter what the conditions are it doesn't matter what the day is well Mm -hmm. i I mean there could be a hurricane rolling in and it's the worst cold front of cold fronts Mm -hmm. there is a way to catch a fish yep and if they will show you it because when you come when you come back with a subpar bag, doesn't mean that it was a tough day. It doesn't matter how tough it was for you. They cracked them yep. every single time. It and they will grind you and grind you and grind you mm-hmm. until you step up to the plate and start you know up in your game. But it is extremely humbling, especially if you get in a drought or a tough streak. Which we've all had those in some yes. way in our life. Yes. But, but you've you've dealt with that some. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the hardships, let's keep sticking with okay. the positive. Okay. All right. The positive. All right. Yeah. yeah I like that. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you 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 got out of college and you made a decision to go FLW Costa yes. route. Yes. And you made that decision over the opens. Yes. And what what led you to make that decision at the time? I at the time I felt that it would be, um, in my mind. I wanted to, I saw so many guys go to FLW first and then do Bassmaster because mm-hmm. it was like, there was a lot of competition in FLW, but more of the popular, like the popular series, it was Bassmaster. Mm-hmm. And I saw guys like Jason Christie, Justin yeah. Lucas do it, who are all hammers. And I, and I saw that as probably the best way to get my feet wet if I was to qualify through the Costas mm-hmm. and go to FLW fish against stiff competition so that when the time came, if I qualified for the elites, I would be ready for the moment Mm -hmm. and not just a flash in the pan, you know, out of there, done. So it sounds like you wanted to put the work in and do things right. Yes. And in Costa's, you were really close for qualifying for the tour after year one, right? Yes. Yep. I think, uh, I don't know. 
thirty. I I can't even remember my AOI AOI. But it was like this close. It was it was close. Yes. In in the next year, you didn't breeze through it, but but no, did quite well, right? Yes, I did. Um, I I think I took sixth or fifth in the points um, that year and was fortunate enough to qualify. But what really kind of like, I was, you know, we were fishing fisheries that I do not have a lot of confidence in. And I chose that. I chose the central, the central coast as because I felt that was the stiffest competition Mm -hmm. and probably the most uncomfortable to me to fish. Mm -hmm. It was TVA. It was Lake of the Ozarks, which has probably the hardest local advantage I've come across. Mm -hmm. And I felt if I could qualify through that, I was ready. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to do the Northerns and just do something that I feel that comfortable you knew. with. Yeah, because if you do that, you're going get, to get to that point, and then you yes. get blindsided because you're not prepared for right. it. Right. You know, so when you qualified for the FLW Tour, like, what was the hardest thing to deal with in preparation for that? You know, I mean, for, there's so many guys, like, you know, and that's the one thing, like, the crazy thing about fishing, like, I feel like over the course of a week in the store, I deal with dozens of really 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 good sticks yep there i mean there are so many guys in in north central wisconsin that are really good tournament anglers yes. they're they're really good um you know guides they're really i mean Super even if it's wednesday ones. wednesday nighter uh-huh. you know league guys that just know their fisheries really well but they've cultivated being yep. efficient and in, in doing a good job i mean there's a ton of great anglers and then you add on top of that the plethora of people who look like really good anglers on social media. <laughs> there's two, there are two different things. There are two very different but, things. But, I mean, how many guys out there that that are could have made it that didn't? And you hear that, oh, in, yeah. oh, I don't care if it's country music or sports or whatever. There's always so many guys who, you know, and, and girls that, um, that have that, well, I could have, well, I should have. Right. You know, you made the decision to do it rather than... And talk about it what was the what was that great challenge when that opportunity presented itself well um you know i almost didn't do it my my first year uh just because i was going to put my chips in and if i didn't cash a check that first tournament i was done like i was done there's no fish in the rest of the year and i was weighing my options and my my dad just finally said, well, you're broke already. You're going to be broke if you, if you don't do well. You might as well do it. Yeah. And I've, uh, and I'm like, well, all right, here we go. Lake Okeechobee. I've never been there before, but let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it ended up working out. But I'll say you I've... Cashed, you cashed 10 grand at that. I did. You? I did. Yeah. In the last, uh, I caught an eight-pounder on a topwater bait in the last 30 minutes, which cashed my check. In the thickest lily pads with treble hooks. <laughs> I, yeah, There's I, something I, to be said for doing something that everybody else thinks is stupid. Oh. I remember that time we fished the Cabela's tournament. Yeah. And you had a fish blow up on a frog. And I did what I do. Yep. And I picked up a spinning rod with like 10 pound braid <laughs> and threw a Senko like, into something that looked like Okeechobee. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to break it off. Then, <laughs> of course, I, yeah, I caught it. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course, of course you did. Of yeah. course, <laughs> you, you knew. knew. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, the struggles of tournament fishing. I mean, like that that first start. I played sports all my life. I really never got nervous before sports, but that night before that tournament, because I only got 
I think, four hours of practice in because of a lot of mechanical issues. I puked all night long. I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. And then you pull, you get out of the ramp and you're lining up to go and you're sandwiched in between Scott Martin and Brian Thrift and it gets really, really real, (laughs) really quick. You just feel this big. Yes, and you got four (laughs) hours of practice on a giant of a lake. Yeah. And you need to catch them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it went it went that well though. Oh, I mean, it w- it went it went so I mean, well. It went so well. Year one, you qualify for the FLW yep. Cup, the Forest Wood, yep. which is, you know, at that time probably the second highest mm-hmm. championship in the in the industry. Yep. And um, you know, and you and you squeaked in. Mm. Oh, that was right? great. It, that so was great. so what was what was that like fishing on a stage that big? <sighs> oh, that was incredible. I mean. You know, it it was kind of a dream come true. It was, it was, you know, it wasn't. That was like step. That was goal. You know, two or three along the, along the list. I wanted rookie of the year. I didn't get rookie of the year, but I wanted to qualify for the cup. And when I qualified for the cup, through some amazing circumstances, um, that was such a huge moment. You're treated re- like royalty. It almost felt like you made it. Yeah. You know, when you were fishing there. You got like a huge stage, you know, you can feel the tenseness in the building. You can feel, you know, everybody's calm until blast off. And blast off gets really, really tense. Everybody is laser focused. It's go time. We're at the cup. We're fishing for a lot of money. This is our careers on the line. Let's go. It was a it was a level of, of competition I I had not seen before, even out of the guys that I fished with. Well, it, it, it was crazy circumstances, but you got in because you absolutely crushed it the last tournament yes. before you got into it. Yes. You know, that was, um, what was, was that? that St. Clair. St. Clair? Mm-hmm. So, so what, what was it like, like, you know, just as a spectator, you know, following you, only care, you know, just how's that going to go? I mean... You weren't updating what you were catching the oh, yeah. rest of the day. Why, why was that? Uh, I was in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Canada, and my uh, my marshal, um, I can't remember his name, but he had to be about 75 years old, and he did not know how to work an iPad. He told me that flat out. He's like, buddy, I don't know how to work this thing. If you want to put your weights in, you can do it. But I, I really have no idea what I'm doing with this. I'm like, eh, fine, I'll just keep, <laughs> just keep fishing. So... Are there guys who love putting their weights in and guys who don't want anything to do yes. with it? Yes. Yes. There yeah. are there's definitely those guys who wanna wanna keep everybody updated. I I personally could care less. Like that's just one more thing I have to, you know, be concerned about. Yeah. I you know, if the guy wants to guess the fish, have at it. Yeah. But I I don't really I'm I'm not too concerned with it. Which I'm sure makes uh friends and my mother just paranoid but right and that's more of a fan courtesy than yeah. anything right right i mean that's right. all that really is is to try to get people to participate throughout the whole yep. day and make it an all-day yep. all-day event yep um so things have changed obviously dramatically in the in the professional bass tournament series circuit whatever right over the, just the landscape over the last couple of years and and i would imagine that that's been a real grind to try to figure out how to navigate through that. Oh. You you made the decision to go to the BASS route through the Opens. I did. And, and what led you to make that decision? Well, 
I looked at, well, now, for those that don't know, um, there are now three, well, two circuits. There's MLF and Bassmaster Elite Series, which mm -hmm. are, like, the two highest. And FLW um, was bought out by MLF and basically made a triple-A league, mm -hmm. even though they still have amazing anglers in them who could compete at any level. Mm -hmm. I looked at it as... I'm either fishing a qualifying circuit here or a qualifying circuit here. Which one, which upper series would I like to qualify for? Mm -hmm. And it's always been the Elite Series. It's got the name. It's got five fish, um, five fish limit still, which I am a big fan of. Um, it's got the personalities, you know, as far as Mark Zona, Tommy Sanders. Like, it, it's on ESPN. Like that, as a kid, like you right. want to be on ESPN fishing. Yeah. Like that, that's where I've always wanted to be. Like that's mm -hmm. a dream. Yeah. Fishing the classic. So the choice was simple. Yeah. In, in, I agree that was probably a really good decision, you know, because at the end, at the end of the, <laughs> the day, like it, in MLF is really cool and Bass Pro Tour oh, is yeah. just really, really cool. There's some neat stuff going on there, but. The only thing that matters at the absolute pinnacle of the sport is the classic. Oh, yeah, like, 100%. Like, there's, I would say, the overwhelming, and maybe I don't know, like, the millennial, like, Guggen crowd. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't look at it through that lens, but I would have to think that there's a very, very small percentage of people that remember who won this or that at any other series, who won exactly. this cup, or, you know, the average fan. Right. But the classic's a whole nother animal, right? Like it's, that's, I mean, it, and I would have to, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but how many times along this path for you have you heard people say you made it? Quite, I mean, a fair amount, yes. In, but not in my mind. Not even close, right? Not even close. Like, I, I, I feel like it's a sport or a career path where you never make it. No. Like, you never see, like, you look at Iconelli and guys want a classic. Angler of the year. Doesn't care. Mm -mm. All he wants is another, you know, he wants right. you know, that next, you know, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, you know. You know, you, you watch him in that level of intensity when he catches that 10-pounder. Oh, my you know, gosh. in the classic, and, and how bad where you should, I just want to retire. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just, that was a great moment. Oh, it was, aw I mean, it was amazing. It was, it, you know, but, like, do you feel like there is a spot where you would actually stop, take a breath, like Thanos after the snap, and go, yeah. I've done it. <laughs> you know? it? I mean, it would have to be a split moment. You are on stage. Like, I visualize this moment so much. I've dreamed about this exact moment. Like, I can close my eyes and, and see it. You, the guy driving you and your boat in front of the Bassmaster Classic stage, which is packed, <laughs> packed out stage. And your song is bumping as loud as it can go, and you reach in a libel and grab, like, two six-pounders, throw them on the scale, and win by, you know, three ounces. Yeah. Like that, that, I mean, I've had that dream pretty much every day since, you know, I can remember. It's just amazing to me that you call it a dream with your terrible choice to music. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Terrible. <laughs> Awful. I, I want, like, Pure Water Migos playing in the back. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like everything, and one thing I always 
kind of thought, like, as a young guy who's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, I want to go talk to that pro. Like, oh, my gosh, there's, yeah. you know, for me, like, Pete Mayna. Like, I remember the first right. time I met Pete, I was, like, speechless. And he was basically, like, tapped me on the head. He's like, it's okay, kid. <laughs> like, it was, you know, and obviously now I've known Pete for years. I worked for him for a short period of time. But, um, you know, I, I just, I always felt like if you wanted to have a good conversation with those guys, you had to talk to them not about their career but their passion. Like, how many mm-hmm. times were like, at a musky show and the only thing that you hear anyone talking about is deer hunting? Oh, yeah. Or, or, or I go oh, through, like, time. the Instagram pages of all, you know, tons, ton of these guys. You yep. know, Swindle, I think he's got more bone hanging on his wall than... Tons. 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 But, you know, so for you, mm-hmm. what is that non-bass tournament thing that drives you? I think I know the answer to that question, but... Oh, that's out west hunting. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't know the answer to that question, then. That's... I uh, thought you were going to go musky fishing. Mm. Okay, I see where you're going with that. I was. All right. But I no, was, you said it. Let's let's I you know what? Um I haven't done it I haven't done it a lot, but the small taste that I get from hunting out west, I would trade ten years not ten years. I would trade five years of whitetail hunting for one week of out west hunting of yeah. any type. Yeah. It is so much different. It's so unique. Well, part of it's living in the deer desert that we do. Yes. You know, it's it's amazing. Like, any time you go to any state, mm-hmm. you know, in the Midwest, there's places that are really, really good within that state, places that aren't so good. And in here, like, locally, we have so much pressure, oh huge amounts of participation, which yep. is awesome, which is which is great. And we can grow some really trophy deer, huge. Yep. You know, we can grow 200 inches here. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more difficult. It's very difficult. Like you, a different you, kind of difficult. Yes. As far as population and trophy animals, you go out west, the sun comes up, and you're like, "Oh, look I at all of them! Look at all of the deer!" <laughs> like you see a hundred deer in a day, and you're like, eh, "Whatever." Right. It's kind of like the difference between musky fishing and bass fishing. Oh yeah. Oh, big time. You know, what are you? What are you searching for? And in, in well. The population of big bucks out west or the visibility of them as much as anything because the population density of big bucks is probably higher here i would just, i would imagine they so. have so many places to hide if we could pull all the trees out you'd be able to see them pretty it'd be well exciting <laughs> but um you know there's there's so much cover so much structure so many places for them to hide here and get old and die of old age you know it's fairly difficult to hide the challenge probably isn't so much you know, like we have here of patterning a big buck as much as it is the physical demands of getting to them. Right. And I think uh, also having the aspect of the pressure, you know, you understanding the pressure or the what people are doing to the woods in correlation to the deer is mm-hmm. as big of, a, big of a deal as anything. Well, and here we're stuck to 40 acres or 80 right. acres or 120 acres or whatever, whereas out there... Wherever just, the sun touches, you, just, you, you just, can go. <laughs> <laughs> All that you see is yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, you've been, you've done it a few times now. Like, was it last year that you? Last year, yeah. yeah. yeah that, I mean, you shot a tank. That was an awesome. I mean, that was like so TV show esque. Like, I, I could. It sounded like a TV show. Last morning, you know, last day, last hunt. We're going out as far as we can, and we're gonna shoot a big deer. I mean, it was, it worked out perfectly, but you know, we earned, it was so rewarding because I was with, with my little brother and we worked so hard that, that week we put it like we both agreed we're going to work as hard as we possibly can cover more miles than anybody and try to find a tank. And the day before we found that area and it was, uh, I think a 10 mile hike in 
and a 10 mile, and then plus just to the spot, 10 miles. As and the then crow flies. As the crow flies. And then, you know, probably another four or five miles of hiking and then back. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we uh, we definitely earned that one. We were putting on 18 to, you know, 25 miles a day, mm-hmm. me and my little brother. And, you know, and, for the, and for the YouTube episode, I'll put it picture in picture on here, but for the people listening on the podcast, how big was it? I don't know. It was a four by four, but it was, I think it was like 20, I don't know, high 28s, yeah, 29 wide, and super tall, super tall four by four. And that was walk-in, DIY, public yes, land. public land. Like, yeah. we, we found, I mean, I think we just found, you know, a canyon that was so far back that, you know, whatever pressure was pushing them to this oasis of a canyon. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. Like, as soon as we got there, we knew that was that was going to yeah. be Money. an amazing spot. Money. And it sure was. Like, my brother took one side of the canyon, and I took one side that, that first day. And he's on the radio. He's like, oh, my gosh, there are 200 does in front of me right now. <laughs> I'm like, I just saw a shooter. He's like, what? You saw a shooter? Why would you shoot? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> and it was... Yeah, it was a dream come true because we worked so hard to do that, and then for it to come together, like that's only hunters can know that feeling, like yeah. how amazing that that is to complete the mission. You know, in the cool thing is, is you're just looking for that one. Yep. You know, and that's really what musky fishing it's, is too. Like, yes. You know, there's guys that go out there and look for numbers, just like there's guys that go out and hunt for numbers for deer. Mm-hmm. They don't care about top end, but mm-hmm. like that's one thing I've really learned about you is is, you know, first of all, you know, and I said it last week or maybe the week before, like the number one thing that you can put in your hunting or fishing arsenal is a positive mental attitude. Right. Like, period. End of discussion. If you don't have that that drive, that desire, that positive attitude to go to the next hill to make that last cast, you know, whatever, you know, you're always going to be less successful than the guy who goes after it with, with that mindset. But also that like, you know, like that, you know, Mike Iconelli never give up attitude too. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been on bites with you where we've just sat in confidence for bass waiting for the mega school, which I would have to assume is heavily influenced by Muskie where, very. You know, you're not looking for a school. You're looking for a single fish that is going to weigh ten pounds more than that <laughs> mega, <laughs> mega school of largemouth. But I mean, you've been monstrously successful. You know, I, I would I would say arguably above and you know above and beyond the overwhelming majority of even full time pros for the number of truly giant muskies you've caught with the amount of time that you dedicate to it. It's yeah. I mean, we've definitely. And a lot of that goes down to, I mean, there's an equation to it, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be on the right lake. What's the equation? Oh, I mean, well, the equation (laughs) is, the equation is you gotta have the right bait, which is an open water bait fish. You gotta have clear water, which comes with open water bait fish, Cisco. And you have to be fishing low density water, like extremely low density. I, I can count on two hands in the past three years, how many follows I've had. Mm-hmm. Like, and we, it, it's more or less positive. It's very much positive mental attitude. You're fishing, you're literally fishing for one bite. You go into the weekend realizing that you're only going to have one opportunity. But that opportunity, you know, is going to be her. You're yeah. fishing for the queen of the lake. Yeah. Like, you have to have that attitude. you got to be there at the exact minute. 
of the exact like right window. You got to know when that window is coming. You have to be super like sneaky, almost like you're hunting for them. Like a lot of times we'll drift 300 yards before we even tr- mm-hmm. like get to a spot. Yeah. And a lot of times our fish come while we're drifting to the spot. You know, it's, uh, we've definitely learned an extreme amount about these big fish and how much they actually move. Like, you know, say you see two guys fish that spot, that fish will be, mm-hmm. that fish will, a lot of times will just back off. And you can go right outside the, those guys and catch that fish because most of the time these giant, giant muskies do not live on spots. They live out in open water. That's where they want to be. If, um, they're constantly adjusting. They're constantly adjusting pressure, pressure, chasing schools and, and the Cisco's are always moving. So spots will change, you know, this weed hump over here might hold a fish, um, because that Cisco pod moved 500 yards that way or the wind, uh, switch from the East to the West. And, uh, this rock bar, because it's super, it's getting super windy out Mm -hmm. now has some chop on it some debris coming up from the rocks and, you know, perch have moved up on it. Like, you know, there's so many underlying factors that you have to go through to get the equation just right with a big fish. You have to think about it because you're not getting much feedback that it's almost a guess, but you Mm -hmm. still have to have it just right for it to happen to you. How much do you take moon phase into account? 100%. I, I can, I can count on, I think I've only caught one big fish that was, you know, more than 15 minutes out of a window. Mm-hmm. And it's by big, big fish, you're talking four foot plus. Yeah, like yeah. 49, 50. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess, you know, the, the common theme that I'm, that I'm hearing from you is, is you have to do all those little things that separate yourself from everybody else. That's a very good way of saying but, it. But everything's competition. Even if you're, even if you're a sport angler, a meat hunter, Mm -hmm. you know, meat fisherman, whatever you want, everything is a competition, right? You know, it's not just you and the fish, but it's you and the angler. It's you and the other hunters. It's, you know, can I get back further? Can I make the extra cast? Can I make the bigger decision? Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the one thing, you know, we're running a little over on time of what I normally run on here, but who cares? Yeah. It's the internet. Right. <laughs> we can do what we want. We do what we want. <laughs> no one's paying me nothing. Grandma's applesauce. You don't care. Yeah, we should dive into we that. We could. High sugar content. Yeah, um, you know, and that was actually the one thing I wrapped up. Last week we talked about hunter health quite a bit. And you've always taken your health and fitness seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, how much do you think that, you know, plays? I mean, obviously you're talking oh. about getting back 10 miles to start hunting. You're talking about casting you know huge lures and staying mentally focused and in, in yeah. hook sets and and uh you know the fatigue of tournament right. fishing we're talking you know not just a one one day eight hour tournament half an hour from home but no you know three and four day events like what's what's your i mean what's your general health regiment look like like how do you how do you go about paying you know, attention to things um i try to squeeze in workouts wherever I can. And now that COVID is kind of here, I can, I can definitely work out as much as I want to, Mm -hmm. but I try to always stay, you know, at least go for a run after a practice day or at least do like body weight stuff, just something to keep your stamina up. Because Mm -hmm. if you're just a blob, that's what you're going to be. You're not going to be, you know, mentally sharp. And I found that exercise keeps your mind so much, you know, sharper and in tune um, then if you're eating potato chips and, you know, just sitting down in the boat and going through yeah. your, the motions, um, but like 
musky fishing, I, I know I can outcast people because I mean, you're, you're fit, you're in shape, you can do it. And when the when the moment strikes that you're not sore and you can get a good hook into a fish yeah, or like pushing the extra mile in practice and going from dark to dark rather than dark to four hours before dark and getting off cause you're tired. Right. That's, I think that's as big of a deal as anything, but um, are, you, are you real diet conscious or are you just more exercise focused? Um, you know, I try to keep, I try to eat as healthy as I can on the road and sometimes I cheat from that. Um, but I am definitely big exercise, you know, focused. Like I try to eat salad as much as I can. I try to eat as much good protein as I can. Um, since I'm on the move a lot, I eat a ton of carbs. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't affect me very much, but just wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to be skinny like you. <laughs> yeah. But a, a lot of core exercises, a lot of just uh, a lot of weightlifting, mm-hmm. a ton of weightlifting, the, the big three bench, squat, deadlift. And I feel like if you're a complete, um, complete on a lot of those, those lifts, you're going to be a much healthier person. Mm-hmm. And if you have aches and pains, the, you know, the, one of the number one cures is movement. Yeah. Like, Try a well-formed deadlift sometime if you have some back issues. I or like a well-formed squat once in a while. Not a lot of weight. Just try it, and you'll be amazed how you can like your body will start feeling better because you're strengthening places that you haven't strengthened. My neighbor at the end of the block, he's got to be well into his seventies, probably pushing eighty, and I think the guy probably walks five to ten miles a day, and That's he's awesome. constantly moving. Yes. You know, I heard a guy make the statement one time: "You rest, you rust." Oh yeah. And I've done totally. I've done a lot of resting. You know, and done a lot of rusting at different periods based off of it you know, my skeletal health yeah. and things like that. You, you know, but I, I that's one thing I noticed. You know, we've been talking about some of the health changes that you know that I've made in preparation for hunting. Like that first week sucks. Oh, it's terrible. There's so much like just built up junk <laughs> that like you do it for a day and you're like, I can't do this again. All right, right. The next thing you know, you're like a week or two weeks into it, and all of a sudden, like. I wish that you could, you know, I wish that somebody would do that, would actually record what it looks like. Right. You know, put a GoPro on and, and watch your, you know, watch your heart rate and things like that and write it down so that a month later you can go back and look at it. Yeah. It just, it's, it's so amazing once you get that, you know, that initial flush, I guess. Yeah. You'll call it going, but, um. You just have to do it and it, it gets so much easier and it gets addicting. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't become work anymore. It's mm-hmm. addicting because it's a challenge for yourself. Like, you know, everybody's on their own level of fitness, mm-hmm. which is awesome, but you're competing against yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you, I want to make, I want to hit this today or yeah. I want to like lift this weight today. Yeah. And it's always a good, um, good competition and keeps you, you know, bent, like grounded and regimented. Our like, maintenance guy at the store, um, he's older than I am. Yeah, he's benching 600 <laughs> at 154 pounds. <laughs> he's winning everything. Oh, he's yeah, I, yeah. That, I, I, he's terrifying. To that, look at. Is, Terrifi- that is he's terrifying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Little short guy. Just terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. But, like, he's, you know, same thing he said. He's like, well, I just started doing it, and it just got easier. Yeah. It wasn't complicated. <laughs> you know? No. Pick yeah. things up pick, and put them put down. Them, but pick them up and put them down. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, I think we'll wrap up here. Um, I, I, I thank you. Obviously, totally plan on having you back Love again to. here. Um, 
you know, anytime. We appreciate it. Um, one thing I'll probably do when we'll follow up, if anybody's watching this podcast um, and, and you have questions for Cody or anything about specifics related to whether it's, you know, pro bass fishing or the career path or musky fishing or, or even out west hunting, you know, drop that in the comments so the next time, you know, we have Cody on the podcast, we can bring up some of those questions and we can ask them. But, hey, as always, we thank you for your time. Our goal is always to help enrich your time on the water and in the woods. And thanks again for joining us and God bless. Thanks, Cody. Yeah, thanks for having me.